Hello and welcome to the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and it is my pleasure to present to you an exclusive. This is Ship Jumpers, the new single from Pilot to Gunner. episode of the podcast we bring to you the one and only scott padden of the aforementioned band 
Now, I've been listening to Pilot to Gunner and Scott since uh, the mid-90s, uh, somewhere in the vicinity thereof. And I had never imagined in my uh, wildest uh, thoughts, meanderings, dreams, what have you, that Scott and I would uh, devolve with one another into a, you know, semi-daily ball-busting session. But that's kind of what had become of us thereafter this interview. We hit it off right away. And uh, I have to tell you, it, it hasn't really ended. <laughs> Scott and I have uh, a shorthand that is usually reserved for people that have known each other for a vast amount of time. We have not, but what we have is, uh, you know, a language that I think is shared by people of our age group from our scene. And it's self-evident once you hear the contents of this episode. So without further ado, I present to you Scott Padden of Pilot to Gunner on the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Give me permission to record your likeness and your voice for the purposes of this podcast. Yes, my name is Scott Patton, and you have my permission to use my voice and my likeness for the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I normally have a format that I follow, like, uh, and it's only one question that is the format, uh, and we're not going to do that quite yet because, you know, I have been listening uh, to Pilot to Gunner since 1998 or 9, okay? God damn. And well, I'm 46 years old. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm a little long in the tooth, brother. But you you're know, you're right in the demo. You're right yeah. in the demo. <laughs> <laughs> but you you have to tell me, uh, what is it like being legitimately in the third decade of recording music for a band? What, what how does that what what's that look like for you? I mean, I you look back and you realize that you could have made things so much easier for yourself when you were younger. Um, you realize like the things that you thought were important. It's, it's like, if, if, if you go back 10 years, it's like, Oh, I really wish I had thought about that differently. Go back 20 and you're like, Oh shit, that was embarrassing. Go back further. And you don't even want to think about where, like what your mindset was about recording <laughs> like that long ago and that young and that just stupid, you know, <laughs> and not that like, and not that I've got it all figured out or anything, but it's just like the further back you go, you, 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 you always second guess yourself and the second guessing gets more harsh the further back you go. Sure. You because you, I mean? you're your own worst critic, obviously always. Yeah. But yeah. Like, you guys, it's not like anyone had ever had a bad thing to say about pilot to gunner. It's not like, I, I, I'm not even going to, uh, you know, sort of call these people out because some of them have been on my podcast and I love them all, but there have been instances in bands where there was shit that went on with them. And, you know, there, there's, there's something like, Oh, this guy did this to somebody. And that like, there was never any drama with pilot to gunner. You guys were always clean record, always great, great albums. No one ever talked shit on you guys. Yeah, I, I want I want that to make it into the podcast. No one has ever said anything bad about Pilot the Gunner. <laughs> they haven't. It's the truth. 
um, no, we, no, we've been like pretty free of that and anything, you know, we, we also like in our original, you know, lineup, like we're all, we were all close friends, like to begin with. Yeah. So we were coming at it from that, that part of it. Um, and I can safely say that like any, any internal like turmoil, uh, came from me. <laughs> um and and those guys those guys did a wonderful job of like rolling with it you know what i mean um so i will say that well you're the singer i'm the singer of every band i was ever in and we're pricks and we yeah. are pricks. yeah the only one worse than a singer is a drummer <laughs> yeah but i think in addition to being pricks as a least singer we're also <laughs> the least talented we are the least talented for sure yes so yeah, so the rest of the band, it's just a win-win for them. Yeah. <laughs> so bearing all this in mind, I'm going to come at you with my first question, which is always my first question, which is, Scott Patton, what terrifies you on the most existential level of your being? My God. Um, what terrifies me on the most existential level of my being? I have this, I have this recurring nightmare. This might not be the right answer. I have this There's recurring no right nightmare that this whole thing has been a dream and I'm going to wake up into some, a worse life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what terrifies me? I, you know, I can't, I mean, bees, <laughs> bees terrify me. Um, uh, but on an existential level, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I, I went through some life changes over the, you know, the past few years that were pretty major. And I'll be honest, like a lot of that existential dread has gone away. Yeah. Um, with those, with those life changes. Um, and I, I, I struggle to even think about what hangs over me. I mean, so, I mean, maybe like, am I coasting? Like, Am I like, is life good because I'm coasting? Cause I'm just like, I'm doing the easiest shit, the shit that comes easiest to me. Yeah, probably. Um, but I also think maybe that's okay at 47. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't owe anyone anything at this point, really? No, no not anymore. No, no. You've hemmed up everything that, you know, scene wise or, or what have you. Fuck it. Like <laughs> you're doing this for you. I mean, as a musician, what do you really owe the audience other than everything that you actually feel and everything you're actually capable of? I, I mean, I mean, what are you pandering to at this point? It's not like at our age, is there a scene left that we would recognize? Fuck no, absolutely not. No, not at all. I, I, I don't know. One thing I was, it's funny that you asked that question about like pandering. And of course, like, we're nowhere near any situation where we where we would even have the opportunity to pander if we wanted to but i think that like i was listening to the record today i'll admit it um and i think one thing i think that we owe people at this point like i don't necessarily i'm not looking to challenge anybody i don't think that people in our 30 years of making music or whatever i don't think people are coming to pile to gunner to be challenged i'm not gonna we're not gonna throw a five minute instrumental intro or interlude at them like all every song on this record is under three minutes long and i am thrilled beyond belief about that it's a 30 minute record and yeah. i think that's what i think get to it like i 
I think we we've made a record that that does that does what the, the records do that I like to listen to. Get to the good part. Get to you know what I mean. Get yeah. to that chorus. You know what I mean. And and that's what we're doing. And I think we're not. I think we're being honest when with these very short songs and about like what is necessary to say what we need to say and do what we need to do. And you know both, what I mean? both uh, quote unquote singles, um, very different, both very good, both very well written because you know, you're not, it's, it's not like you're trying to throw these like ridiculous, like overinflated curveballs at anyone. You're just, it's solid fucking songwriting and solid fucking songwriting. What would the Beatles do? Write a fucking song. And that's what you did both times over. And the rest of the record basically follows in suit. I mean, there's nothing here that, you know, uh, smacks of the disingenuous. It's all as solid as the last record, as a record before that. You guys were always guilty of writing really solid fucking riffs. I'll take it. Always. Always. I, I can't think of a pilot to gun a record I didn't like. I mean, this podcast, you could call it fluff or whatever. I don't interview bands I don't like. It's not that's great. In, it's not in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that hardcore kid in me from 1988 that, you know, like I just, I, I'm not capable of pandering to bullshit artists. I think it also comes across. I think that's pretty obvious when someone is doing, when you're interviewing somebody you don't really if you don't really like their music or whatever, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. Um, I think that's also like to go back to our age. I think you know, again, <laughs> we're past the point where we're interested in acting like we care about shit that we don't. No, right. No. It, it's, it, it's just not worth my time. I'm just too goddamn old. And <laughs> yep. you know what yeah. I mean? It's just not worth it. If only it were more noble than that, but it's not, it's just age. It's just age. Really? I mean, when I was 14 years old, there were times when I, you know, I did a fanzine from age 14 until 18, 19. Yes, I interviewed bands that were cool at the time period because it was what was expected. And I did pander to them. Sure. Of course. And fuck that kid. I don't like that kid. I don't like who I was then. You like who you were at 15 years old? No, I was just trying to get laid. That's yeah, pretty I much. Was, <laughs> I was just super zitty. Mm-hmm. Zitty and trying to get laid <laughs> and trying to fit into whatever, you know, straight edge or skinhead or whatever click that we would have been involved in, in the confines yeah. of that scene. Yeah. Yes. Now. No, I just like music and I do like the ethos that still comes along with what we believed in when we were kids, but without the minutia that surrounds it i i don't i I just don't care anymore yeah and that comes across in what you guys are doing now too because there's just really like well you never you guys never really did kind of buy into uh genre uh tropes so much it was always good solid rock and roll with a little bit uh, a lilt of you know the 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 post this and the emotional that i i got so sick of that uh th- those ideas of emo core or you know pop this or like like it's punk or it's not and you you always made punk music and it was always really good that hasn't gone away but what has 
kind of come to the fore is is more of that um that straightforwardness and that dedication to craft you know what i mean like the, there's just there's 10 songs they're they're very you know you cut to the quick and you're saying what you want to say and you say it really well and then you get the fuck out of the way it's a beautiful thing very few people still do that <laughs> and i think that's weird because there's more to remember the more like the mm -hmm. more bells and whistles and the more length that you feel like your shit deserves the more there is to remember and just to like to go back to the buying into genres thing like it's hard enough to write a good song but then to to add the whole thing like this isn't enough in this subgenre this this needs to be more like this that seems that has always seemed like a lot of work yeah and and with no payoff at all um because i think it's always been pretty obvious the bands that try to to do that to like and it, again it just seems like a whole lot of work with very little return and uh, you know unless you can get people to really buy into it and you hit that next level but again to what end you know and to me the bands that got remembered from that that whole era were the bands that didn't give a shit about that stuff like we all love sunny day real estate to a degree they didn't even sound like sunny day real estate after diary they mm -hmm. changed and changed and changed again and didn't care what anyone else thought of it same thing with get up kids same like same thing with fugazi the, like it just the list goes on and on and you know i i i think there does come a point where if you don't abandon what's expected of you you're basically screwing yourself mm -hmm. and uh, you guys never pandered to that i don't think I, there's a lot of bands like i said that came from our generation that adhered to a rank and file and continued with it and god bless them they some of them did it really well but i lost interest didn't you sure yeah of course um and just like you know the bands you just mentioned how they evolved like it's almost i mean they had to because they spawned a billion imitators who mm -hmm. if like if if there had been a diary too there were already a million bands making mediocre imitations of that record so why put it back out there you know what i mean same thing like get up kids records just kept getting better and better as a million bands just like followed behind them and try you know so i think that's a natural evolution for those bands that again were doing their own thing mm -hmm. um and and people just like heard it and latched onto it so it's it's just really fortunate that those awesome bands all did evolve right yeah yeah and it all kind of happened not simultaneously but close mm -hmm. i mean even you guys like it everybody started branching off like right around that like magical like 2001 you know everybody just went and you know like you could get like your alkaline trio over here all the way over to you guys all like and it just it fragmented in a beautiful way mm -hmm. in a really really um palpable way Whereas, you know, the past 10 years started to really lag musically. But then about three years ago, four years ago, right before COVID, shit got really good again. Like, really good. What, what was going on with you guys that, that this record came out? Because 
it was it was really a breath of fresh air to to hear this you sent it to me and i'm like oh fuck i'm 16 again there's something to kind of like sink my teeth into that makes me feel that same shit that got welled up back then what like what was going on with you guys so i mean we we did a reissue of the of games at high speeds mm-hmm. um on 30 something records did a vinyl reissue it was a 20 20th anniversary mm-hmm. um and so we were in the middle of practicing that record and we were going to go do like we're going to go play shows and play the whole record and and sell some vinyl um and have fun and we were just finishing up remembering the last song which i don't think we ever played live once in real life mm. and that's when the quarantine hit and obviously everybody got locked inside and certainly in brooklyn like you were really locked inside um yeah and we had a few new ones we were thinking i don't know an ep maybe or a single or this or that or whatever and we just we just had nothing to do you know what i mean like some of us were still working some of us weren't and we just started working on stuff by ourselves at home and then as things kind of opened up we realized well oh the practice space is a place we can go we can leave our apartments we can rearrange the room a little bit we can yeah. turn the mics around so we're not spitting on each other while we're singing <laughs> it's it's a place we can we still have to be careful but we can go there and we don't have to be here and it really lit a fire um and we just decided this is what we're gonna do um it's really like i don't think like if covid hadn't happened i don't know that there would have been a full length um certainly and I don't know, maybe here's here's an, an existential dread. We might have half-assed our way through something, um, which would have really bummed us out ultimately. But yeah. we really put so much into it because there was nothing fucking else to do. Sure. Which is the classic thing you hear. Like, really great bands will say, like, you know, there was nothing. Like, if you tell like, the replacements, like, oh, we had yeah. shit jobs. We hated our lives. We had nothing else to do. And obviously i'm not comparing us to them i never would but what i'm saying is we finally understood what that was like what what that meant this is it like this is all we have to do with our time and that's where this came from and we booked time once we had enough songs we thought we were ready we booked time with jay obviously we need to go see jay yeah and and that was it it was really just this was totally unplanned there was not supposed to be another a fourth pilot to gunner record the world was not joined in prayer for another pilot to gunner record <laughs> but we but it just it just it's what we what we did to pass the time well you know? i talked i talked to jay a couple of weeks ago and you guys came up in conversation so i mean it was obviously uh memorable to him okay good <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't bring it up it just kind of came up but you know like the replacements of it all like paul westerberg was a maintenance man and miserable and ran into these young kids and made some shit happen uh, that's the it's similar but you guys already had history you guys already had kind of like a blueprint but yeah. you went off you guys went off menu with this one and in a great way i'm one of those people like you, you kind of made light of being locked down i did too in a very different way i i have a three-year-old at 46 i got to spend 
real time with my little boy during lockdown, you got to make a great record. Okay. Um, my kid's awesome, but no one's listening to him right now. Right. You not right now. Yeah, not right now. Who who this kid? He's crazy. He could make some great shit. I know he. Can, I know he's capable of it. But you already have an end product that's you know gonna hit. And like, how does how do you quantify that? Like, well, like what is the what was the um, intellectual thrust behind it? What were you trying to get across with the, with the breadth of this record? If there was anything, it could just be like. You know, here it is. <laughs> Here's what I've been up to for this many years. You mean like, w- were there any? Was there anything in particular that we might have wanted to say with this? Yes, with this yes. record. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I went back and forth about whether to like whether to like bring this up or not. But you know, I, I had to get sober a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and and it was not some proactive thing where i wanted to you know adjust my life like it was it was bad and so i went through that um i took them with me unfortunately for a bit of the ride um and so this what this is not that kind of record but what it is it's just um i did i made an attempt i made an attempt at positivity on this one Mm -hmm. um whether that worked or not i'm not sure but i think there was a little bit of like having come through something it, it, uh, it's and in trying and trying okay and trying to universalize it which is something i always try to do but when we, when we were when we were in the middle of recording uh greg our drummer at the house we were staying in he came downstairs and we would go home every night and listen to the roughs and everything especially the vocals and he came downstairs and he was like man i i just listened to escape season he's like that's pretty dark and i was like god damn it that's supposed to be one of the positive i'm like and clearly i did i didn't i didn't land the plane but i think just having come through something which i think can also translate to just again like how long we've been doing this and just kind of what's important and being and again just being honest about things and i know that's vague and i know that's like that feels like a dodge but that's really what it is like and again to go back to your question about what we owe people i just feel like there's an honesty on this record about what we are allowed to talk about what we are allowed to play and i think we i think we stuck to that yeah and i picked that up because i've been in recovery for over 25 years i've fallen off i've you know that's what we do um heroin opioids all the way across the board i'm i'm your universal addict and well glad to have you here man yeah i'm i'm glad to be here with you and i'm glad you're here and you know, it, it's this seems to be a recurring thing with people of our ilk of of our, uh, you know, like where we are in life at this age group from the music scene we came from there, you know, albeit there was a, a very massive straight edge contingent. There were a lot of us that were just hiding out. Doing what we did in the midst of all of that and you know we could hide in plain sight almost which is really weird but there you know the, the, there's there's a lot of guys our age that are are singing about and and extolling the virtues of recovery and people wouldn't really know it because you're not spelling it out it, it's all within uh you know poetic license uh 
but I definitely picked up, uh, you know, the uplift of vanquishing, uh, the adversary as it were, you know, like, like the, the, the obstacle, as we call it within, uh, the recovery community, you know, I could, I could pick that up. I, I felt that. And that's great. And I did, I, I, I did my best to skip to that part. Cause I don't want to fucking make those three guys sit there and play songs like about the dark part and the shit that I created and the shit I caused. That's not fair to them. That's not their story at all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I did try to lyrically and just, and I think melodically as well is like, keep it to the, the redemption part of that keep it to the like the, the the coming through it because then i feel that's just more relatable i feel like it's less selfish uh, maybe only a little less selfish but <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. that's not their thing and they shouldn't have to get up there and play songs that are fucking depressing about being and also i'm sorry but those songs about all the darkness and addiction and everything like that's all the same to me yeah. i don't know maybe maybe that's like callous but like that's that's just all the same to me you know yeah, especially once you've gone through it, yeah. it's it's the same fucking story. Yeah, it's the same. It's, it's the same song, but you know, you get to own that too, no matter what. I mean, yes, they're in the band, but that's still your lyrics and that's still your experience to translate to the rest of the world. Uh, if they're willing to go along for that ride, amazing. But it, I do applaud the fact that you're not wallowing in the romance of, you know, the, your depression, because so many people do that. And it's very tiresome. It's very tiresome. The Jim Carroll of it all, which I love Jim Carroll, but sure. it's just like, oh, I'm going to basketball diaries the fuck out of this. Like <laughs> right. well, We've been there, man. We know. Yeah. yeah. All the people who died, who died. Yeah, we know. We fucking know. What happens next? What happens when you drop all that shit and you're trying to build a family? You're trying to keep a band together. You're trying to write a song. Mm-hmm. Tell me and, about and, that. That's the story that everybody everybody wants to know about the win, about the 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 redemption. It's and it it's true, and I think that's there's I think there's a little bit of like it's kind of lame a little bit. Like there's no it's it's not rock and roll to talk about how good things are. Um, (laughs) but but you know but the other thing is is like i always start from with the songs the the music gets written first Mm -hmm. and then probably some gibberish lyrics to get a melody because i want i want the song to kind of dictate the tone and what it what it might what it might be about like i don't want some you never want to have like a pop song where you're talking about slitting your wrists unless that's the novelty that you're going for that's unless you're in life of agony yeah (laughs) right so that's another thing that I think helped me avoid that wallowing was like a lot of these songs are, are poppy and a lot of, you know, and they, they just naturally went to a place of, of triumph is too strong a word, but that, that overcoming, you know what I mean? Like it's coming too strong a word that very triumphant because as, as much as you say poppy, I say rock and roll. Sure. Sure. You know what I mean? And I that, mean, yeah, that, where that replacements comes in, but go ahead. I just like like our choruses. I think are pop choruses, and maybe that's just because I'm so deep in the world of like two guitars, drums, and bass. But like, I I think they're really and I and I mean that in a good way. I'm not apologizing for that. I would yeah. never. I I just feel like 
if you're writing rock songs, you don't have choruses, you're wasting everyone's time. You, you know what you, I mean? You just don't understand the Beatles, apparently. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because that there is that, and I bring it up a lot on this podcast. We all, no matter how much we want to say we're the Clash and the Ramones, we are as much the children of, you know, McCartney. <laughs> we're, yep. Especially if you're a musician, there is no escaping the ubiquity of John Lennon and Paul McCartney. And listen to the Get Up Kids. Listen to you guys. There's, It's there. Mm-hmm. It's in the sauce. Absolutely. It, it can't not be there. Yeah. Even even if you've got bands that say they hate the Beatles, like sorry, but it's it's the oxygen you're breathing. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're holding a guitar, if you hate the Beatles, basically, like fuck you. Just like saying, oh, I hate the Beach Boys, but I like Jimmy World's early stuff. Guess sure. what? Guess what, baby? Guess right. what? Same shit, different yeah. pile. <laughs> Human centipede. Yeah. <laughs> you're 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 getting the Beach Boys whether you whether you like it or not. <laughs> First one that. eats the shit, the last one I gets it. I remember that. <laughs> but that's the truth. I I mean I mean from the Beach Boys to the Ramones is a very short hurdle. Yeah, you know, absolutely. E- even uh, the gentleman who'd uh, run Sire Records uh seymour stein stein said it he was like no they're they're like the beach boys he was right mm-hmm. he was right the like the the beginning the the birth of punk rock was basically just a continuation of the purity of rock and roll so if we continue in the vein of the purity of rock and roll are we not being as punk as humanly possible yes of course mm, yeah so, I mean, in that regard, this record that you've given to us is very much purely and utterly punk rock because it is purely and utterly everything that's great about rock and roll. It's, it's part and parcel. It's very simple. But, I mean, the Beach Boys and, and the like were not writing about the same sort of malaise that you were experiencing. Right. But you put it in such a way that it's not spelling it out, which is very difficult to put across as a songwriter. And I, you know, am a fellow songwriter. No one, no one's listening to my record, but they're listening to yours. And (laughs) to be frank, you know, you, you put it in such a way that it's relatable. And is that something that you kind of set out to do? Like, I'm going to kind of make this not so spelled out i'm not going to put it in your face like this happened to me and then this happened and then that's how it played out was it was it was that kind of like a a thought in your head or did it just kind of come out that way so when we first started when when patrick and i moved to new york you know he and i were in more of a shoegazy band with our drummer in college when Mm -hmm. he and i and i played bass but when he and i moved here we didn't really know who was going to sing it turned out to be me. Um, I just started guitar. I was just starting like, oh God, that's when I think back to like when I first started trying to sing, it was painful. But the the thing that the thing that I was just unbelievably uncomfortable with was the I me my mind um in the lyrics. It just like 
it's I have no problem with anybody else doing that. I just like I couldn't do it. I could not do it. So we, us, mm. together became what I was doing in order to just avoid. I'm in pain. I did this. I feel like I I just couldn't do it. And I think, and I think that that maybe I was too young to realize it at the time was, was that was that effort I was making towards making something relatable and universal and not just about myself. And I think that also helped me avoid things that were maybe too, too specific to me. Um, and, and, and I think maybe then not important enough to write a song about, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, that originally, like I said, arose out of just like, I could not, stand there in front of a microphone and say i me my mind over and fucking over again i couldn't um and i think that that's where that started and i think just it was instinct and that's why i try to walk that line between like spelling it out but also not hiding in obscurity i don't know that i i don't know that i like walk it successfully all the time but like that's what i'm trying for you know i think it comes across but what do you think it is that kind of turned you off to the you know, ownership of, of whatever it was you were trying to put across. Was there, was there like a certain band or song or something that turned you off to the, and it is really self-indulgent, but the self-indulgence of the lyricism involved in like, I, me, my, like I did this, this happened to me. I want to die. Blah, 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 blah. I think, I think it, it wasn't about any other bands. Like, um, I think I already felt indulged, like supremely indulged that I had become the singer of the band because I feel like I sort of fell into it. I fell into this thing of, of being the lead singer and guitar player in a rock band in New York City with with people who people who I was friends with and close with. Like that is a dream that like a lot of a lot of people try really hard for and it was handed to me and i felt like to to indulge myself any further beyond that was just like unforgivable right i you don't do you know what i mean like yeah yeah um so that's kind of where that came from. i can't say that i can point to, i mean but also like for me it was the clash it was i mean obviously jawbox i i don't even think i need to say that and yeah. there's no there isn't there isn't a whole lot of self-indulgence in those lyrics at all. And maybe I just took that in without really knowing it. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no sad sack shit fucking anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I just kind of, without knowing it, it, just internalized that. Well, yeah, because you're talking about two very glaring examples of <laughs> yeah. socialists bands and not in politics, but in the way they operated because the clash were that would that was like not everyone everyone kind of was involved in everything with that band and it's the same thing with Jawbox. i mean jay didn't just rule over that with an iron fist you're talking about a group of very talented individuals up to and including his own wife in the band yeah you know, so, so there's 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 a reciprocity within the confines of both groups I, I can understand where you're coming from with that. But at what point does the reciprocity of, of, you know, the confluence of individuals get apexed by 
oh my, I have no mouth and I want to scream. You know what I mean? Like, where does that, where does one begin and the other end for you? Just, just in the nuance of the lyricism. I mean, I think, I think that again, just, I've been fortunate enough where no one's ever second guessed my lyrics. That's never been a thing. And I, I, I've heard about that in other bands, whether they were huge bands, whether they were bands we might've been on tour with where the lead singer or the lyricist will say that like, he has to run them by the other guys, the other guys contribute. And that just like, like lyrics by committee, like democratizing the lyric, that sounds fucking awful. That sounds yeah, like a recipe for some really terrible shit. Yeah, it does. Um, but I'm so the lyricist it, in every band I was ever in. So of course I'm selfishly saying, yeah, fuck that. But I've never been in a situation uh, band wise where, that's been an issue everyone kind of just said you're the english major run with it but it's in the same token, yeah it's good for fucking something because i'm a plumber by trade <laughs> thanks uh four years in bachelors yeah. <laughs> um i think that like i i knew those guys they, they were letting me do whatever i wanted um you know the various members that have have been in the band they were letting me do what i wanted there was no quality control. There was no, there was no second guessing. And so that knowing myself, I'm surprised that I didn't just like half-ass it, but that was one area where I was like, shit, there's no one looking over my shoulder. It has to be me looking over my shoulder. I have to make this really good. And I, so that's like, I don't know. That's just sort of the, the trust that I, I get from those guys. I, I use it to like, make sure I'm doing the most I can with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you do have an economy of words that kind of economy of words always you you do like there's, there's no bullshitting around where you over intellectualize, which I'm fucking guilty of. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's economical. It's well done, but it's very economical to the point. And it's, it lends itself to choruses. Okay. You don't fuck around and that's appreciated coming from someone who kind of like bogs everything down in the minutiae of, of uh, the spoken word, you know, (laughs) like I'm just, I'm too, I'm too Faulkner for my own fucking good sometimes. And it's easy to do and it's attractive. mm -hmm, It is It's sexy, but it sucks. No one wants to fucking hear that. I think, you know, the other thing that I think it's just I lucked out is doing gibberish lyrics first. Yeah. That means that your melody is sort of locked in with the music. And so if there is something that I want to say, well, I need to figure out how to say that within a certain number of syllables, a certain like rhythm. Like, so I might have had this way I thought was the perfect way to say it. Bad news, Scott. It's got to be said like this in this amount of time, you know, and I, yeah. I really like that. I didn't um, figure that out until years later. Like when I got out of doing metallic, like experimental jazzy, brutal, hardcore stuff and got more into like, you know, rocking punk. I didn't freestyle lyrics, like just singing syllables rhyme and like not even rhyme and meter just staying in time with the music oh, you know freestyling to 
create a sonic palette instead of pulling the sheet up and being like, I got to say this, 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 this. I came from that school first and then learned how to become an actual musician 18 years after I got into making music. You know, like, 18 years. Oh my God. legitimately because i was 13 when i was in my first band and i was already oh, shit. barking and punching myself in the face in 1988 but yeah. you know there's uh we're the same age so you know right. we come from that same era and that same idea but you know songwriting didn't even occur to me until many years later <laughs> You know, the, and that, that songwriting is very, like, it's very forward in everything you guys have done. There's never been, like, that misstep where it's like, all right, this is the crazy-ass record. This is the record where, you know, you you never got off course. What, and you say there was no quality control as far as your bandmates, but there was some kind of quality control going on because you guys didn't get that far off course. Oh, musically, absolutely major major quality control with the music i was speaking strictly lyrically okay um, all right uh even you know even melodically you know sometimes those guys were like oh try this try that and it was all they were always right mm. um but uh that was i was speaking strictly when it comes to lyrics as far as the music goes like major major quality control and it was all four of us and it was you know everyone that's been uh you know, a, a member member of the band throughout the years. That's one thing that's always been like second guess everything. Um, you know, I, I will say there have been times where a song is done because we're just like, oh, we're done with we're done working on that. It just so we sort of stopped working on it. And I think for this record, every song I can I can say with confidence that we did not stop until we were finished with the right. writing of the song. Were there, do, do I hear things I would have gone back and maybe done differently? Of course. Every fucking time, dude, though. Really? Yeah. Every time, every time any, you release anything, you're going to pick out, you know, just an intonation, something that just drives you nuts. Yeah. It's par for the course. Yeah. And... Um, but, you know, luckily the, the, that quality control has always been, um, you know, really well received and balanced and, you know, let's try this let's now let's try it like that now let's try it like that if there was no rush that was the other thing with this record it's like no one was waiting for it there was no rush like we had we gave ourselves plenty of time before we went down to see jay we demoed everything in the room like we did things really right this time and it was nice because um, it, it was didn't, really nice this record does have something that's really different from every other one and i i hasten to call it I hasten to call it like an adult vibe or, or a mature vibe because that's not what it is, but there is something very mellifluous yet concise. Mellifluous yet yeah. concise. Yeah, that absolutely. That that's the way I would, I would put that, you know, it's very melodic. It's, it's very beautifully done, but there's also something very punchy about it. Like, fuck you there's nothing left to lose this is what sure. we're doing but it's going to be pretty motherfucker and that's the way i think of it so mellifluous and <laughs> no i mean there, there was there's an element like we're grown-ups um mm -hmm. and that's how we you know that's why we're on songs we the way we put it is big boy pants like yeah. that's a 
that part that that's that's a big that's a big boy pants part. Like put on our big boy pants, we wrote a big boy pants part. Like that's <laughs> that's our way of saying that's that's a grown up approach to that part of a song. You know what I mean? You're serving um, which the is song. Sort of making we're serving the song, but we still get to make fun of it. Yeah. See how that how that works. Yeah. <laughs> we get to we get to pretend that's not what we're doing, but that fucking is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of service to songcraft and like who's really paying attention to that anymore? I, I mean, I could think of a few, and most of them come on this podcast because I've been blessed with, you know, having a line towards bands that actually are fucking matter at this point, and that's few and far between. But I've been blessed with it. You guys come on, you guys like people haven't even heard the length and breadth of this record yet at this point. Am I correct in assuming that? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing out yet. Wait until they fucking hear this because uh, who from our age group is still making music that matters? Uh, a few, a few people who've been on here, but not very many. Like, where's uh, I, I wish you guys and Ann Beretta would be on tour together right now. I like, thank God, Hot Water Music is still a band, Chamberlain's still a band, but. Uh, Every yeah. like everybody else kind of fell off, and, and I mean, you have to wonder it, like where do we fit now? Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know, like you like like we've said, we're the same age. Like, this shit is not easy to do at our right. age, and you know, hot water, just like nothing but respect for those guys for just continuing to do it. Um, but I mean, we you know we did we did five days back in back in October um we went out we did we did one night in chicago with our friends heavy seas then we did three nights with the get up kids or maybe yeah. four three or four and then a night with quicksand and yeah. it was just friends you know friends and uh that was a lot and we still like we we and we did it like grown-ups we did it suv trailer nice hotels every night and it was still i felt it you know <laughs> what i mean like i don't know I don't know how these guys do it. I will say that like, I didn't envy the bands we were opening for. Like I, you know, I really like the get up kids. I really like quicksand and I, I'm really glad they're still doing it. I'm really glad people came out because this was a, this was like a post quarantine show. This was for a lot of people at those shows. This was the first show they had gone to in years. Yeah. But, but my point is like, I didn't, there was nothing about it that made me think like, oh, I wish we were out for a month or I wish we were doing like five nights. I was good. I was ready to, I, I had, a, I had a blast the whole time, the yeah. whole time. But when we woke up the next morning and, you know, the, the, in Detroit for the drive home, I was like, I'm ready. Yeah. That was great. I'm ready. Um, so yeah, the bands that, that, that keep doing it, man. And, and, and that question I have to imagine, you know, you, you know, you bring up hot water, you bring up Chamberlain and, and we know that those bands matter to a lot of people, but they're human beings. And you have to imagine they still have those conversations in their heads. Do we still matter? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think that would be tough to have at our age in a hotel room away from your family outside of Omaha. <laughs> Maybe you did just play to 500 people, but that doesn't stop the conversation I have to imagine. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's yeah. the real existential dread. Do I, I still think matter? So. Do is what I, is what I'm doing and, and what 
my soul is bringing into existence still does it still matter to anyone and fortunately for you the answer is fucking yeah a resounding yes resounding yes because there's still a great label that still wants to release your fucking shit so are you winning kind of yeah yeah oh yeah i'm absolutely do you still miss your family while you're gone of course of course Mm -hmm. and i mean i (laughs) at this point in my life at the age we're at do I think I could go on tour right now with a three-year-old? No, I couldn't. I would quit the band first because I I, I don't want to miss my three-year-old. But totally. if but my wife is so fucking cool that she'd be like, okay, we're going on tour. Oh well. That's how that's how dope my wife is. But not everyone's in that position. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. a lot of it's not just talent anymore at our age, which the younger guys. Yeah, they can just take off because they're not. It's okay. It's okay to be broke in your twenties. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to be broke in your twenties because (laughs) it's amazing to be broke in your twenties. It is. I I did it. I remember it was great. I had a I had a blast. I had a blast being in a band that didn't matter to anyone, and we toured and did the thing. But once I was twenty five years old and already had a child, guess what? Done. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Now where we're at, it, it's lightning has to strike twice. You have to be really good at what you do, and you have to be in a situation where you could actually execute this shit. Yeah, and you know that's another thing to go back to, like feeling lucky is that you know a, a, at the, at the time all four of us were self employed. Mm-hmm. And that was a real luxury to just like, I mean, I don't, I don't think that tour was really fully confirmed until like a month before. And I, I was able to tell my clients, I'm going away for a week. You can, you can deal with it. That's, we were very fortunate to be able to do that um, and not lose money and not any, you know, it's, we were well aware of that. Yeah. I think that's also why the, why the conversation of do we matter just never popped up. Cause like we were on fucking vacation. Yeah, we were on a we were on a fucking vacation that we all we had to do was work for 40, 30 minutes every every night, you know. <laughs> but so, it yeah, never, we felt very fortunate. It never occurred to you guys that there was a fervent audience still waiting in the wings for everything, every piece of output that you'd given to us. That never, that never occurred to you. I don't think I've ever let myself think that. Um, I, get I don't it. know. I, I get it. <laughs> that's just so tricky. You know what I mean? Like you start yeah. to just start advertising to yourself, you know? <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. It was just, again, just something I wasn't ever really all that comfortable with. Right. Um, but, but, but again, that also makes you at these, at these shows in October, every night there were two, three, four people who did come up who were like, I saw you guys in 2001. I still have your record. I saw you were opening or like, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I like these guys, but I came to see you guys and I'm serious, like two or three. I'm not saying it was anybody's anything significant, but like that, when that's enough, that's, that's fucking amazing. That's perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, man, you fucked up. Cause now I'm talking to you for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, I don't think there's anyone in our age group uh, who was involved in our scene that could have really escaped you guys either because it was it was plainly obvious who was making the good music at the time. And it was you guys. It was, you know, hot water music. It was the get up kids. It was Jimmy world before. Even after they went their way, I still think they sure. made great music. I really do. I'm, I'm not going to shit on them. They made great music. No. Bleed American is an amazing song. Oh, it's that, that whole record was great. Uh, yeah. Even the one after I loved. Um, but, Yes, we were married to the, you know, static prevails of <laughs> and clarity of things because those two were undeniably brilliant. Um, but you guys were right on par with that. You were right in that, like with mineral and it, it, you couldn't get away from it. It was right there. It was a part of the zeitgeist of, of who and what we were. So there was never a question in my mind uh, that there would be an audience if you guys were to make that next transition to to tour. And like I said, there was never like this breakup rumor or like, oh, shit happened with them or, you know, the bass player shot his uncle or <laughs> there was no, never, that, never any of that. that never happened. There was never any of that stuff. Uh, you guys locked out maybe in that fashion, but I think so. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like we, yeah, we, we lived hard. Um, and I think we're fortunate that nothing like that ever really happened. <laughs> well, yeah, because you weren't creeps, but there was a... <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say too much more because like I said, there's been a lot of people, there've been a lot of people on this podcast who I respect greatly, who've been in bands with people who did some really fucked up shit. Sure. Uh, so I'm not going to get into it, but you got You guys kind of got away with it. <laughs> you got away with not having that person in the band. But uh, with all that touring behind you and all those years, decades behind you, what is the single greatest achievement uh, in your mind of pilot to gunner? What, what is that? What is that? major uh benchmark that that high water mark for you guys oh, man um i i i you know i i know i sound like a broken record here but like i don't know the the achievement is just that we were able to do it um just that we somehow like pulled it off you know mm -hmm. like um it was ridiculous you know, I mean, that was that in our 20s, that shit was ridiculous. Just always broke in vans that should not have been on the highway, <laughs> for, you know, for like six months out of the year for years. Like, yeah, you know, how did we how did we get away with all that? Um, I think that I think that getting to do all that we did, I think that the fact that I can say that, like, we toured the United States more times than I can remember. The fact that we got to go to Europe a bunch of times, all the way across to Russia, most of the countries in Europe, we got to go to Australia twice. Like that's the achievement. And those were mostly just based on meeting people and, and connecting with people. Um, and I, that's something that I'm, I'm pretty proud of. 
Yeah. Um, and just the fact we're still in touch with these people today, like 30 something is run by Matthias, who was our booking agent back in the early 2000s. And we yeah. stayed in touch and like still tons of friends down in Australia, tons of friends all across Europe, people that we still see frequently. Like, you know, that's kind of what it was. It was all based like all of our success as it as it were was based on friendships and friends of friends and connecting with people. And I think that's something that's real to me. Um, I don't know that anybody ever like anybody ever got, you know, did business with Pot to Gunner thinking they were going to get rich. <laughs> At least I hope they didn't, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> yeah, but like I have to say like, you know, from big ups to Matthias because he really, has built something incredible. And uh, I I think like it's an aside to what we're talking about, but honestly, who's doing anything quite like what he's doing right now with not only putting out new records, but reissuing stuff that came out on major labels and like really putting forth that effort and not getting rich off of it, just doing it because he loved this stuff and he's just making it available again who does that it's fucking yeah, amazing and, and it's it's the same with fred and frank at arctic rodeo like oh yeah all the all those reissues of like the of discord records and just beloved records and putting out the side projects of bands like that is again that is pure love you know and yeah just to again like that's that's the achievement to me to be associated with people like that who we admire that's the achievement that's the success you know yeah um and fred oh yeah frederick what a fucking great guy right yes wow. absolutely um that last record guilty guilty like nobody mm -hmm. there was nobody nobody was looking to put that out but joseph um joseph grillo just got in touch with fred and fred had a trip planned over here we hung out we got a great dinner we and he was like, yeah, we're going to do this. He loved the record and we all met up and had a great time. Like that's. Yeah. And that record sold through very well for him. Might I add. Yeah. It really did. It really did. Um, he wouldn't have continued to do it otherwise. I mean, as much as you love who you are championing, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yep. yep. And it still happens. So obviously there's uh there's a demand mm -hmm. and you guys never really fell out of demand either. I mean, as much as you want to believe that you're not as desirable as you guys actually are, because we're, we're all like that. We're wired that way. We're punk yeah. kids, right? You know, yes. we're wired that way, but you guys never were never that cast off band that, that, that aside band, that band that, you know, everybody's like, yeah, they're okay everyone had an opinion i would rather be in the band that everyone had an opinion about good bad than indifferent yeah i you know, you know? There, there were there were there were numerous occasions where we would be in the middle of the country maybe we've played that town before maybe we haven't and there's like pretty much nobody at the show and somebody would come up there's one guy in particular and this is this happened more than once he was like i flew here from oklahoma city to see you guys he, 
one of one of maybe 10 people at the show bought everything went back to his hotel like that is that's amazing yeah are you fucking kidding me and that that happened like for, like not for, i can't say frequently but that happened like enough where i'm bringing it up yeah um and every time it was just i i just couldn't believe it and i I wanted I wanted to buy those people drinks, but I was fucking broke and I couldn't. Right, right, and and you know it's it's not on you to, you know, kind of, I, I guess, put forth that effort because you already did by inspiring that in them. But it's still great that you would actually have that thought in your head, if that makes sense. But um. I guess I guess what I really want to uh, get to is, uh, you know, you're. Let's go back to you're you're in your twenties. You're on tour. You're pre that person who had the wherewithal to just say, "All right, I need to get clean. I need to take myself seriously." What well, what was who was that person? I guess before your self-realization that you were fucking yourself up. I, I, I think that's, that's the most uh, important question I could ask anyone. I, I can tell you with, with absolute confidence, that person was a fucking asshole. And I'm not saying that it, there's, I'm not looking for anyone to convince me. Otherwise I am not exaggerating. That person was a true fucking asshole. Um, that's the answer. Um, I, I don't agree, but <laughs> here's the thing. I, I, I guess I could, I could back it up with this. What was it that, what, what is it that makes you think that person was an asshole? Because there's a, there's an inherent confusion and self-loathing that leads one down the path to make them think they're that fucking asshole. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I also want to make it clear that, like, I'm not saying that with any kind of smirk, and I'm not saying that with any ounce of pride at all, because I know that. Oh man, you know me. I'm just I, I say what I think. I'm a, I'm an asshole. I that is not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, like, the when when you are when you are actually self destructive, when you are actually that selfish and that deep in that life and deep in that, just like treating yourself so questionably and just uh, of course treating the people around you questionably like you're just yeah you, i was just that that guy was not a good person at all and i and, I, and i'm not i'm not bummed out about it I've, I've had years now to like process all that and to make amends with you know capital a and lowercase a with with enough people but like yeah. that guy was not it was not fun it was not fun for those guys to be on tour with me and again like not in some romantic um oh isn't this wild and crazy like sure we, we managed to have fun but it was not fun it was not fucking fair to those guys either but they um, stuck it out so there's something they stuck it out there's something about you that they love in a Again, very deep and meaningful way so the person you just explained to me is not who that person really was <laughs> do you know what i mean because yeah. there there is that there is that person that was worth loving and saving and, and being a part of. So the person that really existed back then wasn't an asshole. That was a, 
that was a very affected and very sad person not an asshole oh very sad person for sure very you know? sad person absolutely like if you had if you had asked me that existential like what terrifies me on an existential level like back in those days in my 20s mm -hmm. i would have been too overwhelmed I, I wouldn't have been able to answer the question because my like just my entire just life was just dread of yeah something shitty i had just done something i was ignoring that was about to like drop on me or something that i was going to do to disappoint someone or fail at something that was it that was just that was every day um it is no way to live <laughs> no no but i mean i can tell you in a, in a great amount of uh you know unmitigated honesty that the way i had been when i was exactly like that came from a lot of really vulgar baggage you know i didn't i didn't conjure this of my own accord there was a lot of you know physical violence and 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 other violence that i i, I don't i i don't really need to put out there for people to understand what i'm talking about sure uh that inspired that and i think people like us who go through that kind of shit and turn to substance abuse to dull it were affected in a very very different way than people who just had like you know dad was a little dad was a little handsy when he was drunk type of way it was like there was a lot affecting you and in order to carry that through into a, a public persona into a musical persona that takes a toll on its own so you do kind of search for ways to dumb it down so to call yourself an asshole in the midst of whatever inspires it be it a past or be it a genetic predilection I don't think it's fair to call yourself an asshole, really. I think it's fair to say you didn't handle it properly. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know? fair. And and for me, I think it was genetics more than I think it was it, it was genetics. There's yeah. nothing I can point to in yeah. my past. Um but yeah, how you, how I handled it, I think that's that's we can agree on that. It was yeah. it was handled it was handled poorly. Yeah. Not an asshole though, because like even like past notwithstanding, my dad drunk grandfather drunk and it goes and it goes and it goes so it kind of gets passed down to you but on the lighter end of that spectrum we also get passed down these beautiful things like our predilections to make music or create art or to be inspired by the arts was was there that in your life too like like mom and dad were artists or musicians or anything like that um, I think um, my parents were just generally supportive of things that we wanted to do. Um, they had a killer record collection. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, killer record collection. I very young, as soon as I was able to operate the record player, was listening their Beatles records, their Stones records, the Pooh records. Like, um, I think that, you know, I was... I had friends who were creative. Um, 
uh, you know, when I, I didn't start playing until I got to college. And I honestly, like, I was going down a path very quickly freshman year. I was hanging out with the wrong people. And there were two people across the hall who I noticed were coming home at one in the morning with amps and drums. And and it it was Patrick and Kurt, our original drummer. And that's how I met them, was like sort of taking an interest. I scrabbled together 75 bucks and bought a bass because they didn't have a bass player. And that's how we started playing music together. So like I started to keep myself from like going down a path, which arguably I might have gone down just maybe 20 years later anyways but it didn't happen then you know what i mean like i just knew that like these were people these were people creating something these are people spending their time wisely and that's that's how we met um and i think yeah it was just that's what i that's how i wanted to spend my time um and seeing people carrying their instruments around and i was like oh this is something i, I can do that because not yeah. not even going to punk rock shows that's still that didn't get it through my head that that was something anyone could do those were still people and i know a lot of people will say like well i saw the i saw the jackson five and i saw kiss and that was a big thing that i could never attain and then i went to a punk rock show and that was something i could do not for me those yeah. that was still people on stage that was still people who are really good at their instruments these were people with their drums not in cases and the drumsticks falling out and their guitar and not and their guitar under their arm like that. Oh, I can yeah. do that. They're barely doing it. I can do that. You know? <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, like everybody has the romantic story of like, and this was the aha moment. But my romantic story is kind of um even it's similar to yours, but even before, because my parents, I inherited their record collection. And, you know, our parents are of the same age group. My dad was a Vietnam vet. My mom was at Woodstock as a hippie. And I, I'd gotten all their records. And yes, the, the Stones and, and, and the Doors and, and the Beatles, very proficient. But then my dad's T-Rex records, that was my aha moment. Like, He's playing three fucking chords, man. It's really great. It's really big, but it's really three chords. <laughs> and that was Mark Boland was my aha moment. Like, and then my dad took me to see the who in 83 with the clash opening. And it fucked me Whoa. completely up. Fucked me completely. Up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. And, and I was a punk from there on in, but you know, the, there's, there's always that very very small kernel of, of what sets us on a path that that seems so much larger in in scope compared to what set it off yeah seeing a bunch of guys across the hallway like barely carrying their instruments into a room like yeah i could see that that's, that's... yeah and, and i'm not kidding i was like they're just barely doing it i can just barely do it <laughs> you know i can do that <laughs> and i've been just barely doing it ever since <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna die <laughs> so what what's uh what's on deck for you guys next because you know you played a couple shows you got the record coming out what what's kind of like the grand plan thereafter I mean, you got two singles set to go 
where does that carry you next? I mean, I, we got to, this is my job. Um, and I'm not doing it. Just book some shows. Um, it's just a matter of like booking around people's schedules and everything. I, it's just, it's just getting off my ass and doing it. Um, which still some things you still, you hit 47 and you're responsible in so many ways that you weren't. And that is just one thing. I just, I'm just, I haven't done it. I have no reason why Um, there's nothing holding me back. Uh, Yeah. It's just, maybe I'll do it tonight. Maybe this, maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the moment where I'll, I'll, uh, I'll reach back out to people and be like, Hey, you know, just seeing like, got any nights, I'll put the bill together, just call some friends. Um, that's pretty much it. If if our friends decide they want us to come out and support them on a couple of dates in the Northeast or the East Coast or whatever, yeah, we'll do that again. Yeah. Totally. Um, you know, there won't there will not be any like headlining US <laughs> tours ever again. You know, but if if Fred, if Fred and, and Matias are like, you guys want to come over here for a few weeks, fuck yeah, man. I'll I'll go play to five people in Germany. I've no problem with that. You know what I mean? It's five people in Akron that I don't really have any interest in doing anymore. Yeah. Um, So I think, I think that's it. I mean, that, that would be great to go do. Um, And I think that that, that's kind of it. Like the record's getting made. I've got the test pressings, you know, sitting over there. We're going to get the, our first box of records. Like that's it. That's enough. That's enough for me. I want to, I want to pull it out of there. I want to look at it. I want to smell it. I want to put it on. Like that's, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know? There's something about smelling a record, right? Yeah. Oh, and and Matthias is doing cassettes. We've never done a cassette before. Um, and Patrick is doing the layouts now. Like again, I just think all of this, what what I do like at, at you know, as far as what's next or whatever, I do like that at 47, all of this is enough. Like yeah. I like being excited to open up my my email and there's the layout for the cassette. Like I think that's so fucking cool. You of know? course it is. Of course it is because th- there was. Let's go. Let's go back thirty years. There were there was no rock stardom in in this. That was never the goal. That was never the thing. Like we're going to be massive. We're yeah. going to be Weezer or whatever. That was never a thing in our scene in our our ethos. You know, it was just yeah. someone's going to hear us, and some kid in a bedroom is going to get it and it's going to save their life and that's the important part and you guys have already done that and and you've done it and you've done it and you've done it <laughs> at this point now it's just can we still put lightning in a bottle and i'm here to tell you you've done it i've awesome. heard the record you've done it again you've done it again so at the very least you can be steadfast in the idea that 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 you haven't lost a fucking thing that's good to hear you know you you never know well you no, you don't but when it's the same kind of group of guys believing in one another yeah that community can't really fail can it as long as as long as there's a belief in the core cause of what we're all doing you know, yeah, that, and uh, as long as all four of you want the same thing, which is mm-hmm. again, I, I, 
all all the other guys feel the same way. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. we, we're getting a record pressed. That is amazing. We're getting a cassette made. That is amazing. We got to go out in October. Amazing. We might go more. You know, like everything is just – I'm not saying the expectations are low. I'm just saying our expectations are so reasonable that anything above them is just incredible. You know what I mean? You know yeah, what I mean? That was the point. That was always the point. Like, yeah. I'm not going into this thinking that I'm going to be a cultural touchstone. I just want to give something to the culture. And I think that's what made the, the place we came from very special in the fact that rock stardom or, you know, uh, any sort of whatever, like, like, accolades weren't really a part of it it wasn't built into the culture what was built into the culture is uh, am i uh, a part of this am i a real part of this yeah and that's admirable and that's important that's more important than i mean let's let's dispense with like yeah if if you guys were to you know win a grammy tomorrow and get millions of dollars amazing love the shit out of it but that's a one in a million thing that's like hitting the lottery in truth if you are giving something back to the community you're from you are a part of the organism and a viable part of the organism you you were never not a part of that organism so and at, at the very least that's admirable yeah and but i mean admirable and important aside like that's the only we didn't know any other way there was no other way it was just no. like oh oh we want to play too hey we, uh, that's just going out and going on tour there was no there was nothing beyond that for us it was just the tour was the thing understanding of course that in the real world of real music and real artists like the touring is that's the it's a mechanism it's a device for something mm -hmm. larger to happen um that was always strange explaining that to people who not in the world that you and i came from that like yeah. this is not a career path but it's not it's not a hobby it's not it's not quite a hobby because our lives are centered around it but it is not a career path and that was a hard thing for co-workers and relatives or whoever to understand um, even if they wanted to, it was just not something, you know, they're like, but you have a, you have a CD and it's in stores and Rolling Stone reviewed you guys. And you still had to be like, yeah, that's just not, that's not the world that we're operating in. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and then of course, a lot of them think like, you're just saying that. No. But what, what do you do at that point in the conversation? You know what I mean? And it's just like, but, believe you have to just at that point say, believe what you want, but totally. Yeah this is our yeah. this is our world this is our community and do we bust out of it probably not does it matter definitely not yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. not mm -hmm. no i you know i had a a cousin come see us play and we we were opening for someone and so there was like three four five hundred people and he was like he's like you guys like you, you made it he's like i can't believe like you guys you're famous and i was a about to correct him and patrick was like it's amazing you're right that's <laughs> the only answer you know what i mean like yeah really yeah. why 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 would i like i can't believe that i was gonna like set him straight for what you know what i mean yeah you don't um, disabuse someone of the notion that you're good right. you just yeah 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 
Yeah. And I think that's really that that that's really where you kind of have to leave it with any sort of 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 fandom that you garner. If someone is of the notion that you're something greater than you believe you are, for you to disabuse them of that notion, no matter how little you feel of yourself, you're robbing them, not you. And you're not being less humble by allowing them to feel that way because that's their journey. I'm going to tell you a shitty story that it's not like, it's not, it's not horrifying, but like we were, so, uh, so uh, a friend of a friend from the UK had come over to the U S to visit. And I was by at that point playing in this band, I hate our freedom mm-hmm. um, with, with some friends, you know, Joseph Grillo from Garrison and yeah, and Godfire's Man and everything, and you know my friend Justin and at the time it was um, it was Steve Sanderson was the drummer and she was just like I heard that you guys are all in a band together like oh my god like you and Steve and Joseph and Justin and like I can't believe it I go I go yeah it's a real super group and she was like me it is that's you know like i that was 20 years ago and i remember it like it that stings that that i that 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 i said that and it it was an attempt it was a like you just said this misguided fucking attempt to like correct someone you know what i mean yeah why you know and and when she said it is to me i was like i know exactly what you're talking about i instantly understand who is the asshole here and it's me you know what i mean and <laughs> you know and obviously she was totally gracious about it but you know it's just it's it's the first instinct is always to be self-effacing though is it not yeah yeah you know to just to be like yeah, I'm going to take the piss right out of myself because I have such a low opinion of me <laughs> that whatever you think, mm, you're fucking wrong. But you're still like still somewhere in the back of your mind. You're telling them, no, you're wrong. I suck. But you still want them to think you're fucking great. And that's the that's the really messed up part. So you're kind of better off just allowing people to believe whatever they believe about you, no matter what you think, because they're probably more right than you'll ever be. And that's the scary part, because the beholder always knows what beauty truly is, not the beholden. You know what I mean? (laughs) So uh, what do you want to kind of leave us with about this record what what is the uh what's the real thrust what's the real lyrical thrust outside of what we've already talked about because there is so much redemption built into this there's so much emotional uplift even though there is a lot of darkness in it if if there were one thing people could walk away from it with not just that withstanding if there were a message to be like definitively, here's this, do this, what have you, what would that be? I lost you. I can't hear you. There we go. I I wish that I had something really fantastic to say to this. I mean, uh, what, what I can say is just the, you know, we were talking about earlier, like how did this record get made? Like, completely it was not planned for 
it wasn't anything and it was really there there were moments where we were like what what are we doing why are we doing this and i, I think it's just that that we we were able to pick right back up and i i think that i think that sometimes i wonder like which parts of my life are the important parts and sometimes you don't know until long after and i think it was nice that this this showed me anyways that that was such a super important part of my life for all the all the stupid shit that came along with it that was that just told me that that may that like that might have been the most important part of my life were those years where i was doing that um just to be able to like pick it right back up so like i unfortunately i can't translate that into into something that someone might walk away with but like i don't know like if if you are i would say like if 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 you if you're still friends with the people that you were in a band with 10 years ago 15 years ago and you can like why not do that yeah. why not you know like pick it back up and find the time obviously we're all grown-ups here we it's it's not number one priority but i don't know um yeah i wish i had a better answer for that like maybe uh, may, a, maybe i'll i'll email you a better answer <laughs> i i think the answer is already built in because like that answer is you know the ultimate importance of, of of friendship and community because this is something that meant the world to you 15 years ago and you got to like i said put lightning back in the bottle everyone's and, still willing there's still love there there's still vigor there and and you did it again and there was no like like the beat was still there it's not like last record and this record there's such a, a departure sonically or or anything it just kind of makes sense together and that's the great part it makes sense with the rest of your catalog well th there there's two things the, the first is it was nice that for that the eight days that we were in there with jay there was nothing else i wasn't i i had told my clients i wasn't working I I don't have children. Um, my partner, she's she's super busy. That's I was fully in that room from the moment I woke up every morning, whether I went for a run or I got lazy. I was working on the words. Then in the, in the studio with Jay. Then at night after we had all everybody had gone to the bedrooms and everything, I'm sitting and I'm working. That's all there was for eight days, and that again is like just it was I just felt incredibly lucky to just have that time like i can honestly say like i put everything we all did all four of us like we're fully present the entire time um the and the other thing about picking up where we left off even though the last record came out like 10 years ago yeah actually it might have been 10 years ago there wasn't anyone of course our musical tastes have evolved there's no way that it has to happen but everybody was like we're making a pilot to gunner record. Let's mm -hmm. not forget that. There's we're not, you know what I mean? There's not gonna be some sea change in what we're offering, right? Yeah. So we all just agreed, like we're making like short, punchy, to the point. That's what we're doing again, you know? Yeah. Which was saved us a lot of time. And you can't really lose with a, a not a formula, but with a blueprint like that. Yeah. I'm going to make concise important tough music yeah there's there's no losing in, in in that regard so i guess at that rate i will uh 
I will say this. This record has been a great surprise for me because I didn't think I was getting another Pilot to Gunner record. I really didn't. I didn't think that was going to be a thing again. I didn't think that in 2022 I would get to kind of re- like turn on we don't turn on the radio anymore and we barely put on a record anymore but for me to hit play on a file and still get a taste of something that was really important to me 10 years ago 15 years ago 20 some years ago because i first heard you guys in the late 90s did we ever play together uh yeah we played a fest or two shut Um, the fuck up yeah we did we did I figured you'd recognize me at some point. I had long hair back then, but um, uh, you know, I never thought that I would get to kind of re-experience that. And it's amazing and, and really important to me that I got to. So I thank you for that. I wish I had just recorded the last like two minutes of this. (laughs) (laughs) No, the, the surprise that, that you that you're talking about is is that's really meaningful because I think that's yeah it it has been a surprise for fucking sure. It's it's really been a, a high point for me this, this summer, <laughs> you know. With and it's been a great couple of years for me with you know having a three year old and and in my late forties, kind of hitting the familial reset button as it were. Yeah, but <laughs> you know this has been great. And I, I appreciate and applaud what you guys have done. And I, I hope you keep doing it. I really do hope you keep doing this because it's, you haven't done anything that sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, as, as, as base as that sounds, there's nothing to bemoan in, in your back catalog. So We're lucky you are lucky. So at that note, um, even though you haven't recorded the last couple of minutes, it has been. So you'll get to hear it again. <laughs> no, th- this has been great, man. This has been really fun. I didn't think I was going to enjoy this, and I really have. I to the point where I keep forgetting that it's an interview, and I keep wanting to turn the questions around to you. You could, you could. It's not an interview; it's a discussion. I listen with this podcast. I don't do interviews, and I don't talk to uh, bands or artists that. I don't like I'm not I'm not like a shill I don't come in here and like I'm baiting you into a discussion that like, yeah you know I fucking hated your band 25 years it's, it's not me right. I don't have that finally I don't have the I don't have the time for that Scott I don't well, are, are you playing do you like pick up like do you play music at all anymore like yeah just... I, I'm still in a band I'm still in a, like a, a very rudimentary hardcore punk band called heart out we named ourselves after a song by the fall uh it's our albums out there uh it's not anything uh i know what i'm doing tonight to write home about but you know we're we're a we're a hardcore band that's it awesome awesome we just make like melodic hardcore music all right well i'm gonna find it by old fucks (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the uh, sort of kind of singer, and that's that's about all it is. But it's great, and I'm I the love it. Kind of singer too. Look yeah, at us. yeah. But you you actually play an instrument and have a voice. I'm just. Uh, nah. 
I have an English degree. Fuck you. (laughs) But, but in truth, like, you know, I'm everything I've ever done. I just kind of, I, I want it to be not ubiquitous per se, but true, true mm-hmm. to who I am and true to what the roots of, 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 of my, the oeuvre of, of what I've experienced since I was what, eight years old when I saw the clash in 83, you know, seven years old, eight years old. That's wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, my dad and my uncle were cool. <laughs> yeah. First. For as wild as my dad was, Vietnam vet, crazy, drug-addled dude. He was a beautiful human. And you want to see the who? Yeah, I want to see the who. (laughs) And he took me, and it just so happened at Shea Stadium, the Clash was opening and blew the side of my head off. But That's like one of the all-time shows. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. And and, and it's a happenstance, really, because... Had my father not been in the compromised state of mind he was in when he took sure. me, I wouldn't have ended up there. But goddamn, thanks, man. You know, like my dad passed. I, I love and miss him. He really set me on a path, you know, and he was a jazz musician. Like my dad oh, played okay. with Muddy Waters. My dad was very, he had balls. <laughs> <laughs> so like he put himself waters, you probably had to have balls right yeah and he put himself out there so he got the he got these opportunities uh to play with muddy waters and people like that and uh boy he just he he put me right in the thick of it you know That's i mean amazing. There, there are some low points too where like he took me to see the dead with jerry garcia and i stood there and i was seven and bored this is the face I have. This is, yeah. <laughs> like, well, fuck compared this. to the clash and the who. <laughs> fuck this music. <laughs> but, you know, I, at least I knew who I was. Sure. You know, and I, yeah. I, I think we all kind of do by that point. But I mean, what, what, what was it like for you? Like you're a kid, your, your, your formative music, like, like fuck punk or whatever. Just what was the formative? What was the definitive? Like, I mean, my first concert was John Denver. That's awesome. And I, I remember it clearly and I loved it. Um, That was like, my parents had a lot of country records and it was, it was so great. I was up way past my bedtime and the guy, his voice and his playing, like I just, the night flew by, I remember. And then I, and then I years later asked my parents how long that show was. And they were like, it was like, there was an intermission. It was a long show. Wow. But in my memory, it flew by. Um, So that, you know, that foundation was laid by my parents. And then it was kind of hanging out like skateboarding and BMX. The older kids would have the boom box. The boom boxes were theirs. So yeah, it was punk rock. Um, it was hardcore. And then mm-hmm. there was a radio station at the community college um, with a, a show called Intestinal Infestation that came on in the morning before I went to school. And I'd pop in a, a blank tape and record yeah. as much as I could. Yeah. And I would then figure out what I liked. And I would have to go ask the older kids or who or, or the older brothers of my friends who were cool. Who is this? I think he's saying this. I think he's saying that. So 
that was kind of it. There was also that like felt secret. I had to go like find it. It wasn't at it wasn't at Record Town. It wasn't you know what I mean. Oh, the tape trading. Do you remember the tape trading? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so absolutely in the tape trading, and the college radio. Like we had something similar in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area called. Uh, it was called the Wheat Fields. It was Scranton University, and I would pop the tape in, and I would barely get the signal sometimes. So sometimes it was really like coming through at a minimum. Yeah. But, you know, we would get everything from, you know, suicidal tendencies first record all the way to, you know, you'd get some of the germs, but you'd get some really, really like poison idea. Uh, uh, the meat nice. men, uh, you know, and the like the meat men were very dicey at that point to the point where like they were dicey. They were very dicey. Tesco V was a dicey human being. I still love the music, but wow what the fuck and we would get that and i didn't believe it or not i didn't stitch together that seeing the clash and hearing this were of the same thing to me the clash were the same as the stones were the same as t-rex which i had this youthful i i was enamored of mark bolin as i'd said to me that was all the same and then to hear tesco v and to hear like gg allen i was like oh that's that's bullshit music isn't it that's terrible <laughs> it wasn't until i'd heard husker do and put husker do and the descendants together with the clash together with the germs together with joy division and it all kind of like made this psychic miasma of of, of beatific jubilation that i knew what punk really was yeah and that was still young i was still like nine or ten and 86 putting it together <laughs> you know um and you know I, I, I'd, I'd think that's the same it would be like a similar thing for you with the tape trade and all of that going on yeah i mean definitely yeah like kids bringing in their older brother's records like yeah minor threat the pistols like all you know the, the big ones but there was another thing about making tapes i was i was dubbing my parents vinyl stones the beatles onto cassettes but the choruses weren't loud enough so i was i was bumping the recording volume for the choruses for these stones and beatles songs and then even when i would borrow my friend's older brother's van halen records panama specifically stands out oh yeah i had to i had to bump the volume on this so all my all my dubs were these artificially raised choruses and then i realized that the punk rock bands i was listening to were already doing that yeah and I, yeah. they were doing this thing that i had always missed in classic rock and and stuff like that that was another kind of moment for me i was like holy shit like these guys are already doing it you yeah, know the, like the terrorist chant cool. you know the 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 sing-alongs there there there's that is very intrinsic to the, the the punk and hardcore experience maybe more so hardcore but still punk rock i mean the sex pistols were very in tune with the 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 soccer hooligan terrorist chant of it all as were fox yeah. which you know they're an oi band but to me that's more like that they have more in common with pop music sure like when I my wife and i got married we walked into my wedding with uh we're coming back by the by cox bar you know <laughs> there's there's just something like 
anthemic and 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 very beautiful and uplifting about it all. I think more than counterculture, more than anything else, what made punk rock so attractive to all of us was the chorus, the uplift, the fist in the air, the two fingers, the you know what I mean? Yeah. It, we could we could call it politics we could call it whatever it really comes down to what it makes you feel and what it makes you feel is uplifted yeah yeah i mean i didn't quite know what jello biafra was talking about but yeah. i but i but i i knew it, i knew that it made me feel something yeah right? yeah holiday in cambodia where people dress in black it's like I think my dad was there in Vietnam, but it doesn't matter because it's fun as hell to listen to, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds kind of like Dick Dale in a weird way. <laughs> totally, yeah. East yeah. Bay Ray, absolutely. Yeah, East Bay Ray was very much, uh, you know, a surfability type. Like he, he just shredded. He was beautiful. Yeah. It's a shame that uh, they hate each other so goddamn much. <laughs> it is a shame. Yeah. But there's there's that uh, there's that part of not just punk rock, but of 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 what people would consider alternative that it takes itself less seriously, even though it's more serious. And I, I you, you know, that I think that explains the late eighties, early nineties, as far as what what happened with the Pixies, and then later on with your Nirvanas. Mm-hmm. It, it makes so much sense because we were so done with people shaking their asses and, and trying to be T-Rex who I loved and the sweet who I loved, but they were, they inspired a bunch of shit. It was time for Bob Dylan to have a, a two, four beat and a little bit of punch. And that's kind of what went. Down. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, I think I'll leave you here because I've been dragging this out longer than I should. <laughs> this is a big Friday night for me. This is my big Friday night too. I'm not going to lie to you. My son's finally asleep. I can have an adult conversation. It's it's a beautiful endeavor at this point. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've had a great time talking to you, Same, man. And yeah, you're. Uh, your music has meant a lot to me, so I just wanted you to know that before I let you go. Thanks, man. Um, this has been fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So when and if you do something again, another record, would you come back on here and slug <laughs> yeah. it out with me once more? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Much appreciated, brother. All right, man. All right. Have a good rest of your night. You as well. All right. I'll see you. Take care, bro. Folks, that was the lovely and talented Scott Padden. As you've heard, Scott and I absolutely have what I explained in the beginning of this episode, a shorthand. And you heard it here. Scott will be back for another episode. Seeing as though this episode is something that I couldn't truly top, I will leave you with this. From 3.33 a.m. studios. I've been Peter. He's been Scott. 
You've been beautiful. Take good care of each other, everyone. And have a great night. From the book, A Very, Very Bad Things Podcast. <laughs>